Hi, it's Eric. Obviously, a little prologue here. Um, we are, I am taking the conversation with Larry Schaefer uh, to talk about Jake and Cooper's dog park because it is somber. It is morose. Um, it's beautiful and it's long. So that'll be a separate podcast that will post tomorrow. Welcome to the podcast today. We're going to talk dogs in just a little bit here. If you did not know, we're getting another dog park. Actually, Oregon is getting everything, but apparently right now they're waiting for Tarda. They don't have a target, but there's a Planet Fitness over there now, right? We got Culver's, like you're in a real spot now. I'm, I'm just kidding. I've never had a problem with Oregon at all, except it's... It was always, it was never easy to get to. Even when I lived downtown, it's really hard to get to now. But you're getting a dog park as well, right near the Y. We're going to talk about that with our guest shortly. A couple of things to get to first. Uh, you will learn something that you did not know about me, I think. And then a couple other personal things to share. Uh, things that you might have heard peripherally, but I'll dive in because of some stories that I've come across. First, I'm in a great mood today. My soul is lit up. It is glowing. Um, I've been dealing with some acid reflux recently. It's been peskier than usual. Uh, I think you know that my mind lingers on my medical ailments, but I'm glowing so much so I haven't even thought about this this little issue. Um, what was a 40-minute podcast that could have been an hour and 40-minute podcast was about a two-hour conversation. I was at my other job at the Ability Center. And uh, I often don't know, like I'm never unprepared for my podcast episodes. Uh, this podcast episode was going to be about encouraging people to get um, skilled skilled, uh, skilled dog companions um, with the Ability Center. That's not a service dog. A service dog can go almost everywhere with a person. They have certain rights. Uh, skilled companion is a little different, similar to a, a therapy dog, but more trained than like my dogs could be therapy dogs they could be skilled they're not they're unskilled uh but they're they're close to they're closer to pets than maybe service dogs but much like i've told you diddy has saved my life stella saved the life of this boy i'm certain of it um i haven't met him yet but i'm excited in fact i was excited to meet this boy within 10 minutes of talking to his mom there's not a lot of people like me, which is why I do so many things alone. And I, I think sharing so much that I did with Jennifer, I think it put a smile on her face, not to be arrogant, but I'm, I'm confident. I, I think sharing what I did with Jennifer, both on the podcast we recorded for the Ability Center, which should be posted within a couple of weeks. She found some hope in what I shared with her about her son. And I gave her some guidance because I kept saying, I was like, He's gonna grow up to be me. Like so many of my idiosyncrasies that I threw out at her, her face lit up. And after talking to her, not even talking to her son, who I'm ecstatic to meet, I have been glowing since then. I have been radioactive. Every t there was six. I'll just say one more thing and then we'll wrap it up. There's six of those. And it wasn't the uh, mm hmm. Oh wow, that's crazy. It was just the opposite. Uh, so I've invited Noah Henderson in for a podcast. He is an 11-year-old. He is autistic. In fact, you know the 
the stereotype, the archetype of our autistic people we see portrayed in media. Like that's Noah. And I say that with great respect and, and reverence. Um, I told his mom, I was like, if I had to make a $10,000 bet right now on, on a kid who I'm going to read about on Wikipedia for, I, I use the example to her because he like he wants to be an engineer. I said, if I had to place a bet on an 11-year-old who is going to change the world or do something remarkable or something that we, we can't even grasp right now, it's him. Uh, so Noah Henderson will be by as soon as I can get him the heck in here. You can look up his story right now. Um, Noah Henderson, WTOL. They did a story about him. Again, there are so few people like myself um, I was excited to just meet his mom sharing about him. I explained to her that, yeah, I'd love, I would love to have friends, more friends and be social and active and date more and have a relationship. And she said, he, he wants to have friends. And I, and I tried to finish her sentence. I was like, the idea of them is better than the actuality of them. She's like, yeah. And thankfully I have been able to retreat comfortably into my isolation and again the skilled companion dog Noah has Stella and it is Stella has probably changed his life I'm excited for that podcast to come out and we'll get another one with uh with Noah here uh at long last after being laughed at and mocked by co-workers for about a decade when I was like whenever I'm in these promotions meetings at work to come up with ideas I was like hey you know I'd really love to have a skating party and like there's Eric with his skating party again ha 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 um the ribbon with Glass City Metro Park the next phase will have its grand opening June 9th through the 11th Saturday night at 7 o'clock the 10th there will be a skating party roller skating and I think you can do skateboarding and other kinds of skating there it'll be a skate park because the ice is now gone it's not underneath the cement they put it over it when it comes back but people at the metro park were like yeah let's do this we're looking for like a, a benchmark event and so yeah it might be July 20th it might be July 27th and then the rain date sometime later um, still working on a name but sometime this summer there will be a roller skating event which, again, I've been trying for for a decade. I have very few regrets in my life um, of ones that are kind of inconsequential. This is one of them. I think when I moved from Orlando to Saginaw, I threw out my speed skates, which I had had for a long time. They were white, and white were typically girl skates, but I wanted to be different. So I had white skates with like neon green wheels, but they weren't very neon because I'd just worn them for so long and run them into the ground. From ages 10 to 20, I probably had skates on my feet more than I did shoes. But I'm getting my roller skating party. I would love for you to be a part of it. In some ways, I'm scared, concerned that I think I have a lot of people who enjoy being around things that I do. Well, now I'm actually going to ask you to participate in something. And by the way, there will be a, a nominal fee, but all that is going to go to the Metro Park Charities and Lucas County Children's Services. And it's, it's just a couple of bucks and then skate rental will be a, a little bit more. So details are still coming together, but I'm getting my skating party. Unless the weather has something to say about them. Saw a story today that uh, Target has lost like half a billion dollars because of theft. And I get it. I don't think it's happened here. Not stealing. I know stealing is happening here. We've seen news stories about it. Two dudes walking out of Best Buy repeatedly with TVs. You've probably seen people walk out of the Glendale Walmart stealing stuff. And I have known for a long time that... Um, 
what is it loss prevention or some stuff like that. I get it. You don't have off you've paid security and they're not necessarily off duty police. You have employees who make who for a long time and complained that they didn't make enough. Some of them would try to confront these people, but a lot of times you were told just just let it go. And hopefully these places have, I'm sure. These companies have worked that loss, the theft, into their budget. You would be short-sighted and myopic if they did not. It's just going to happen, even before this era of COVID where people walked out with stuff. But yeah, if you're making less than you'd like and you don't really like your job, I'm not going to stop you. Although, hey, when I go to Walmart and look for uh, my Transformers, there are a couple that have been on the shelves, like the same figure for months. And if I walked out with it, like, in fact, if I was on that aisle and a Walmart employee came by, they'd be like, look, just take that. I'm tired of looking at it. Don't steal. Like I did. Can I tell you, on the East Coast, in denser cities, a lot of these stores, Walmart, I believe particularly, even some Targets are putting a lot of their items behind, um, like, plastic. So it's got to be unlocked. Kind of like you were getting, like, a video game or something back in the day. Um, which costs money. And some places are not doing that because whatever that cost would be and the people power to open those things up, they'd rather just lose the item because it offsets one another. It's the same, whether I lock it up or you just take it. And I get that some people are stealing one because they're just you know bad people, other because they're, they're desperate. They become bad people. When I was 12, 13, 14, I was on a theft spree. It started at a, at a department store called Caldor. Me and my best friend at the time, Brian. I don't know. I don't remember 100% of this, but what I do remember is they had like some Marvel cards and I, I opened them up, put them in my pocket. Before you know it, I was going in there all the time, opening up packs, putting them in my pocket. I had stacks of these things. The other thing I remember was I went to a, a mall, Franklin Mills Mall. It was an outlet mall, one level. It was 10 football fields long. They had a collectible store, and I was there, I think, with Brian again. They had a collectible store, small shop. There was a woman at the front desk, 20, 30-something. She was chatting with me, and they had a, a fishbowl on the countertop, the glass t- countertop that separated her and I. And there were Marvel figures in there, superhero figures. And every time she turned around, I put one more in my pocket. After some time, that fishbowl was half empty when it had been fully but when it was full, it had been full at the beginning of our conversation. She said, can I see what's in your pocket? I froze and then I ran. Thankfully, my mom had been there to pick me up, thankfully. Um, I'd been caught, but I wasn't caught. So the stealing kept coming. I was in sports authority near my house one day. And uh, of all things, the irony here, when the, the, the stealing spree stopped... I stole a wallet, just put it in my jacket pocket and walked out. The irony is I didn't have any money. Like I never had money. I I had money, but I didn't have enough money to have a wallet. And I don't even like wallets now. I've, I've never had a wallet as an adult. I have two cards and my phone. That's it. There was a, a lumbering bald black man, big guy. You know, I heard people say, because the alarm went off and I walked out, people say, hey, stop, get that kid. And I heard, get his friend too. That uh, that big fella chased me out of the store and uh, he said, stop or I will shoot your ass. I stopped and I think I shit myself. 
sat in his office, the theft prevention office or whatever, for whatever time they called my parents. And um, my dad wasn't even mad. He thought like he had done something wrong. And I don't know if I told him how much stuff I had stolen, but he said his, his remedy for this was, all right, from now on, we're going to have dinner as a family. Because like that didn't happen a lot. I feed myself. My mom was home. She got dinner. My dad would eat when he came home. I think my dad thought that his, us not doing family things turned me into a criminal to be. Um, I was kind of perplexed that I didn't get super grounded. Over the next couple of days, I try to do some nice things like, sure, I'll take the dishwasher stuff out. And, and my dad said, I know you're only doing that because of what happened. And um, yeah, there was no punishment. And we just had dinner every night. I don't think anything productive came of that. So that allows me, and I never stole anything ever again. Um, I, I feel bad if I walk out of a supermarket because I do my own self-checkout. Like if I put, if I only scanned like two items, like if I, if I get apples and I typed in two instead of the three I took, I feel awful. So that, that takes me into another topic. Uh, can I pull this article up? From gentle parenting to Dr. Spock, why is parenting advice so confusing? From banning hugs to gentle parenting, how are you supposed to raise kids anyway? Uh, I skimmed through this, um, and it's a long article. And as I put in a Facebook post today, millennial parents have my deepest sympathies. Something I have thrown your way before, um, you're asking 30-somethings who were very likely, the kids of the 90s, right? Who very likely were not told no too often or often got their way. And a lot of that is because my, you know, my, my crack theory of in the 80s and 90s, we accepted single parenthood. It was no longer a stigma or any kind of taboo. We empowered these people, moms or dads. But we didn't know how to navigate it as well as we do now co-parenting or whatever we're doing. Um, so not a lot of no's came because I think a lot of parents didn't want to be on the bad side of their kid. You wanted to be the better parent. You wanted them to love you more. You don't want to look like the bad parent. Not a lot of no. And I think that age of individual didn't embrace therapy and mental health as much as certainly Gen Z is now. Not some, not all. I mean, I certainly I mean that I'm the, the ancient millennial. I certainly, you know, I chased my diagnosis. Um, and now those parents, those millennials, 30-somethings are parenting kids. They didn't go to therapy. They didn't even know a lot. No wonder why it's kind of messy. No wonder why your 8-year-old or 13-year-old is kind of a mess. I get it. If you didn't have the coping skills you needed, how the hell are you going to pass them on to your kids? And I apologize if I'm speaking out of school here because you might not have known this, but I, I'm not a parent. But I think I have pretty good pragmatic advice, maybe too pragmatic for my own good, which is why I think Noah and I will connect. He is black and white in that way as well. Um, and I, you have my sympathies because like this article illustrates there's parenting advice everywhere you can turn. Um, and, and a lot of it is not good. In the same way that you can do your own research on diseases and illnesses, uh, bad parenting, bad parenting, lousy parenting, lousy parenting, ineffective parenting can probably be a disease unto itself as well. If I could throw one thing out, um, do what works. 
Now, that means it doesn't like beat the hell out of your kid, obviously. Do what works. If it works for you, keep doing it. Trust your instincts. I guess that's uh, that's a line of Dr. Spock, who is an actual person, not like Spock from Star Trek. Um, when I was reading through this, and I came across the part that said, like, gentle parenting, and then um, advocates of a... Oh, why'd that go down? Advocates of gentle parenting, a more recent trend that discourages rewards and timeouts in favor of trying to understand the feelings behind a child's behavior, might suggest I ask my son why he didn't want to go to school. Um, Authoritative parenting, a calm but firm style characterized by clear boundary setting would probably dictate that I explain to my child without raising my voice that his behavior was not okay. Something about this kid for this writer not going to school. I stopped reading this article in with such intensity right there because I'm like, that's my, that was my dad. Um, even if he didn't ask questions intuitively, I think he was trying to find out why I did something. The perfect example was I was stealing. He didn't ground me into the 2000s. I, I didn't have my Nintendo taken away, never play, never to play another video game until PlayStation t- 10 because he, he thought stuff that was happening under his roof was the cause of why I was doing that. To this day, I don't know, but it certainly stopped. So my dad was gentle parenting, trying to find out the why. Um, but I also think he was authoritative. I knew my boundaries. Like he was, I can't remember him yelling at me. If you listen to a podcast that we did when he visited last year, he told he loves telling everybody about the one time where he hit me and I looked up and there was the pause and, and the yell and I never did anything bad ever again. He said that I used to, after that, I would hit myself when I was bad. I got grounded at times. Not many things that I can remember about that. Um, but I remember... The, the boundaries like I needed to do well in school like and they weren't clear like they weren't specific but I I knew the ballpark like I knew that multiple C's on my report card except for with the exception of a couple of subjects like one was gym because they would measure body fat or something and I was a what, husky but athletic kid um, so I was allowed to skate on that music like that guy, eighth grade, Mr. Leach at Baldy Middle School. That dude taught music class for kids that were musicians that played like in the choir and played instruments. So I literally just sat there and like I'm like t- he and he let me sit there. He's like, sit there all you want. Don't be a jackass. And I took my F or my E or whatever. But for the classes that mattered. Yeah, multiple C's were not going to cut it. My dad didn't yell at me, but he was stern. He let me know without raising his voice that not acceptable. Uh, and and I I think most of the, and, and for the most part, that didn't happen. Like I was a strong B student. My strategy in school was knock out the beginning of the year, like get all A's because that's when they're reviewing the material from last year. So ace it. And then you can kind of taper off. So in the subjects that I liked and did well in, uh, history, social studies, A's. Some of the other things, reading, language arts, B's, but I still to this day did not get symbolism. Math. I was really good at math until like algebra two and geometry. And in geometry class, it was a struggle. Like I didn't get, why are there all these letters and shapes in math? Where are the numbers? Um, 
And that was when I was looking at colleges and stuff. And my dad was, he wanted, you know, got to go to college, got to get good grades. And that was the point of his stress or the point he stressed to me. In geometry, I don't remember the guy's name, but I just couldn't keep up. I got the basics, but the theorems as they got more advanced. So the guy gave us the um, opportunity to sell these coupon books for one of our supermarkets, Acme. Let's say Kroger. If you For every Kroger supermarket book you sell, I add a point to your average, to your grade. I'm sorry, what? I sold all that I can. Um, I think my dad paid for them because he just knew that he couldn't help me and I wasn't getting geometry. So somehow I went from like low 70s into a solid B because I sold a lot of those books. It was almost unreal that I could just buy my way into a better grade. Um, But I I had to get good grades. And my first PSAT, I got like a seven something or like a nine something. It wasn't good. It was the kind where they go, did you remember to write your name down? The joke is like, you write your name, you get 400 points. So I got shoved into uh, SAT training classes. And I think from that, learning some of the tricks, I wound up with 1,100. Um, my dad was gentle. Of course, and I don't think parenting has ever been different. Now it just has catchy names. My dad was gentle. He wanted to know why. Um... And he was also authoritative, but don't remember him ever raising his voice. But again, if you're a 30-something, even early 40-something, like me, even though I'm mid-40s now, you have my sympathy because uh, of the time you grew up in. We are products of our genetics, but our environment as well. The environment we can talk about now is a brand new dog park. <laughs> 